0: That is, if you can find uh, Matthew, it's right there to the left, <laughs> okay, um, but let, let me just get us started before, before we jump in and read here. Uh, last week, uh, we, we wrapped up our series on God's Word called Breath, and we talked a lot about breathing throughout the series, and, and one of the things about breathing was is how essential and central it is in our lives, right? I mean, it's happening all the time. If it, if it stops happening, it's a bad sign, <laughs> Right, And so, very central to our lives. But another area in our lives that is very essential, central, and important is money. Whether we like it or not, whether we're obsessed with it, whether we try to ignore the reality of it, it is a huge factor in our lives. And so, this week and next week, we're going to be talking about money. Now, I know immediately the, the thought is, oh no, Russell's going to start trying to tell us to give us his, give him the, y'all, your money. And I'm not, especially if you're new or be, you know, returning with us today. Okay, listen, this is not a, a, one of those talks. I'm not here trying to like badger. It's not a sales pitch. I'm not trying to do anything like that. But rather, what I want to do today particularly, and then next week we're going to talk about these as well, is talk about an issue that's really at the center of our lives whether we like it or not and the heart issues um, that go into these that deal with this um and so because here at vintage grace we want to disciple you guys we want to grow you in jesus And, and in order to do that i believe we have to get to the heart of things and if we just go around and never mention that topic, the topic that must never be named, it's like, you know, addressing or, or you know, like just looking at the top of a, the the visible aspect of or part of a uh, iceberg, but under the surface is this huge mass of reality. And I think within money in our lives has that role. And so... So the, I just want to be honest with you guys cuz this this particular sermon has messed with me cuz I this is an area that I need to personally really grow in okay so as I, as I was working through this text it was working on me okay I just so I want y'all to I, so if if y'all would just for, for now for the next 20 30 minutes whatever uh, let's just be open-hearted about what God's saying here. And then, uh, then y'all go home and it's between you and God. Okay? We're, we're going to leave it there, all right? So, um, let's turn to Malachi chapter 3. And, um, and I'm going to be starting in verse 7. So, if you guys would um, start there with me. Malachi, um, real quickly, I'm going to say real quick, the book of Malachi is a, a court case against God's people, Israel, and how they have neglected God's worship, how they've just done this thing and that thing. And so this is towards the end of the book, okay? And here it happens. Here it goes. Hear the word of God. From the days of, our, of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how have we, ro- how have we robbed you? Excuse me. How will we return? Excuse me. Verse 8. Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are not. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe in the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test as the Lord of hosts. I will not... So, so here's a passage, scripture, that has been, probably not many have been more abused, wielded to create guilt and, cre- you know, to uh, uh, take advantage of and mislead people more than probably this passage right here. It is astounding how people that would say that they are pastors uh, shepherds of God's people and so on, have taken a passage like this and used it to take advantage of people or to mislead them. Uh, and, and I really hope not to do that today, okay? So that's my goal is th- to not use this for myself, but rather that, that this passage would be sweet to you in the future, be a really good thing for you. Um, but it really, this, this passage raises several questions in regards to us and money, okay? And so I, I just kind of want to address those questions, okay? It's the questions of ownership, questions of trust, and, and then ultimately questions of, of, of our mission, or our lives, where, where we're going in our lives, okay? And so I just want to address those. So first, I want to, question, I want to ask the question of ownership. Question of ownership. Okay, and this, this passage... Ask a pretty striking question. Will man rob God? And now, I don't know about you guys, but like that bothers me. Every time I read this passage, it's something in me is like, I just don't like this. And because it's, it's really it kind of just bugs me. And so, but we really got to go on and say, okay, what does this mean? What does it mean? Why is. Why would it say that, the, that God's people in, in this context were robbing God? What does this mean? I mean, were they breaking into the temple? Or were they breaking into God's house and like literally stealing from him? Was that going on? And what we, we see, no, not, that doesn't seem to be the case. Um, the answer is, it says, so it says, how have we robbed you? I mean, that's a good question. If God says you've robbed me. If somebody says you robbed them or stolen from them, the good question is: Is how have I done that? And that's a question that gets asked here. And the answer is, they were not bringing in the tithes and offering to the temple. And so that, that you have to kind of rewind into the history of Israel when God made, took these people, these Israelites. Re- re- redeemed them and saved them from slavery in Egypt, if y'all remember, took them to Mount Sinai and, and began to give them a, the way that they should live and to be his people. He gives them the law of Moses and so on. It goes, And part of that law, part of that way of living included giving tithes. 10% is what that means. It means if they had a crop, and that crop, they would take 10% of that crop and they would donate that to, uh, in several ways, I'll get into that later, but uh, would, would we'd give them that to the temple, the temple treasuries? And so because they weren't doing that, they are now being charged with robbing God. So How could that possibly be robbing God? Well, you, it has to assume... A truth, it had if if by them not giving what they would say might be theirs. I mean, think about it. I mean, we could say, you know, you're supposed to give to God, but you're like, this is my stuff. I worked for it. I went to school. I, you know, I did this. I put the hours in. I put the blood, sweat, and tears in. This is my stuff. This is my house. This is my belongings. This is my bank account. We could say that. However, the Bible actually gives us another idea, another, another reality, is that everything, honestly, that you own, everything that you have, everything that you are, ultimately comes from God. Like, wait a minute. No. I did this. It was my hard work. It was my study. It was my intellect let me ask you this if you were born let's use an example if you were born in eastern congo i can pretty much bet you wouldn't have as much money as, in wealth as you do right now i don't care who you are if you were born in eastern congo you don't have money western congo you might be one of the few luckies or you, could, you could name a, a list of places in the world so just the fact that you were born and the continental United States means that you are, going to, you are already in the top few percent of wealth in the world. And so, everything we have ultimately comes from God. That is a biblical principle that we are taught throughout. Uh, even King David, I mean, he was sharp, man. This guy. When King David took an offering and they were trying to build uh, the first temple... Y'all remember that? And he ends up handing it off to his son. But he he's going to hand it off to his son, Solomon. But he, he makes this, they take this huge collection of money and goods and materials, all this stuff, in order to fund the building of the temple. And he makes a really, he actually prays at this, he kind of prays a prayer blessing after all this has come in. And he, and he says this. Listen to these, these words. He says, both riches and honor come from you. He's talking to God. And you rule over all. In your hand are power and might. And in your hand it is to make great. And to give strength to all. And now we thank you our God. And praise your glorious name. But who am I? And what is my people? That we should be able thus to offer willingly. For all things come from you. And, and of your own we have given you so it's a humble prayer isn't it it's saying we're giving you this offering but we realize that this is nothing because you've given us everything and so we thank you god for letting us to give you this little bit is kind of what he's saying here that's a that is a good posture to be in in terms of realizing that i didn't create this this is because of, maybe it was luck, but we I don't think so. It is what God has given us. Um, and so there's this collection and they're praying these things. And so the, the charge is to these people, to the God's people, is that because that God has given you everything, He has the right to say, you know, you need to give some of that back to me. This says, right, and, and because God had commanded that, and they were failing to do that, he's calling it robbery, and then it's, then it gets kind of Old Testament-ish here, it says, and because of that, you are under a curse, what is that, you know, like, I think of some kind of movie with, like, pentagrams and stuff, and, like, sticking sticks or something, like, some kind of curse being, you know, what does it mean, like, so they're under a curse, let me help y'all understand kind of how this works out, because... Um, notice in verse 9 it says you are cursed with a curse for, for you are robbing me the whole nation of you now I would say that yeah, potentially God would place a curse on them something like that some vex or something of that nature but actually I think there's an inherent curse in what they're doing what are they doing number one they're not, they're not acknowledging the reality that everything they own comes from God, okay, but they're also revealing their own greediness and materialism, and they're saying, "Eh, we're going to keep it all for ourselves." And here's the thing about greediness and materialism, and and, no, and here's the thing about that it's 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 very it's kind of one of those uh, issues that people have that they never recognize. I've never I've heard a lot of confessions as a pastor, all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, I could. You know, I could, yeah, I could fill a book with some of the crazy things I've heard confessed. I can't think of one time when somebody came to me and said, Russell, I'm really struggling with greed. Or, I'm really struggling with materialism. I, I'd never hear that. It, it, this is a real blind spot for most of us, even myself. We have issues with this, but we none of us see it. It's amazing. It's But there's this, so there's this curse and what does that mean okay well let's think about it God created the world and he created a certain way he created this world to exist in a certain harmony and that and, and that harmony the Old Testament calls Shalom peace it's kind of th- how things are supposed to work well that economy, that system that God has created is is a system where people are actually supposed to love one another, actually supposed to help one another, actually be generous and share and cooperate with one another. I know that sounds crazy, but that's how God created it. That people would love and, and help and serve and give and, and it would be like this feedback loop. Like I've mentioned all the time, like in Ephesians chapter five, where he talks about uh, wives submitting and and hu- husbands sacrificing, and it's kind of like this dueling battle of two people trying to outdo each other and serving and loving one another. If you do that in your marriage, it's going to work. And and if we if our society if everybody would give and share and cooperate, it would work, right? And when we're greedy and materialistic curse comes the system breaks down it it no longer works and that's happened to them it's just an inerrant thing there's no vexes or weird stuff going on here is if if you're if you if you're greedy and you're materialistic there's going to be curse in your life It's just not how it works believe it or not and it's and so it's kind of counterintuitive thing this is like an inherent curse. So when we deny that we are not the owners of what we have, and we, and we don't really live as what we should live as is stewards, managers of what has been given to us, when we do that, the system breaks down. And we wonder, why, why is this so hard? Why is this money stuff such a thing? And this, that is because we fail in that first question, the question of ownership. Okay? So that's the first question. Who owns what you have? Who owns that for real? Do you? Okay? Second question is a question of trust. Question of trust. Now, let's look at verses uh, 10 and 11, um, if you would says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. All right, and so God is saying... Bring in a part of what I've ultimately given. Okay, but why, why would God do this? This is kind of like, I, I can't even help but imagine. Like, why would God say, bring this in? Give it. Does God need their money? Does God need anybody's money for real? Like, if you, if you believe in God and you believe God is who He says He is, God can create things. I've talked about wealth in the past. I've talked about this in the sense of uh, uh, the, um, what's it called? Uh, Jack and the Beanstalk. Remember Jack and the Beanstalk? And he goes up and he, at first he steals some money. Not some good morals in that story, by the way. But he goes up and he steals some bags of money. But then, what, then he, later he gets probably the best thing. He finds the, the magic hen. Remember the magic hen? That is wealth, man, because that thing can create golden eggs. And we, we saw last week what a golden egg could cost. That Faberge egg, remember that? Right? So that is wealth. God can create wealth because he can create Okay? So God doesn't need it. So why would God have his people give anything that he has already given them? Why wouldn't he just give it to us to use? I mean, that'd be like on Christmas morning. I get a bunch of presents for my kids, and they go in there, and they're tearing them open and whatever, and I say, well, kids, 10%. I take, like, several of their toys back. How is that going to go? That's called Christmas mutiny, you know? That's called dad is in, you know... (laughs) Anyway, we, it could get ugly on Christmas morning if, if you know, I, I start saying, you know, I'm giving you all this, but I want something back. But I could do that. Why would God do that? Well, it's not as sinister as it would be for me to do that on Christmas morning. Um, okay? Notice it says, this is a really important part here. Notice it says, bring, and this, bring the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. So, so what's happening here? He's saying, "I want you all to bring this in, and I want this to come to the temple, a place of worship." But it, so he's saying, "My house, my temple." Okay, so in other words, he, he, God is saying, "Bring me, bring in, bring to me your offering into my treasury, my temple for the service of my worship," and that's in large part this. This tithe was about was about funding the the Levites that these priests could serve day in and day out. So it was a support for them, also for the the temple uh, operations and all this. And then later, other things like a huge festival they had every year. It was a part of having that huge party. We love parties here at Venice Grace. It's a part of our mission is to throw parties. Believe it or not, and we we're serious about our parties. And this huge festival party, and then. Every three years was a tithe for feeding the poor. They didn't have a welfare system, and it all went through the temple, all right? Um, and so they, they would bring these tithes in um, to God's temple. So that, here's the point here, all right? The implication is is that if, if, our, if our tithe, our giving, doesn't go towards God and towards God's worship, it will inevitably go somewhere else. You hear that? You you don't realize it, but you are tithing and more to temples and worship all the time. There's a great pastor I, I read and, and uh, listen to a lot named Tim Keller. He gives some examples. I had to had to use these. Okay, he, he says. He says this, if you find it very difficult to give, to write that check, I mean, isn't it hard, like, or to give that bill over to somebody else. However, it's easy for you to buy clothes. Do you hear that? It's hard to give, but it's easy to buy clothes. Perhaps your appearance, people's acceptance of you, all that stuff, is more important to you than the love of God. You are then giving, you're giving over to the temple of self-worth. Okay, it says, if it's hard for you to give and give away, but it's easy to put money into that new house, that's your real temple. Looking, Maybe it's your importance, your significance, your status. Maybe that's the temple you're at. Or, or if it's hard to give, but it's really easy to save, really easy to put that money back into that 401k or that annuity or whatever, perhaps the temple you are giving to, the temple of security, it's the, the temple of control. And I think there's a whole list, you know? You know, maybe it's Pleasure. You know, it's, it's it's easy that I means it's very difficult to give to, to, to give away but going to those concerts are easy but going to those movies or doing this that you follow what I'm saying and so if it doesn't go to the temple it is going to another temple that is why God is saying here if you're going to give I want you to give to my temple. Why? Because money reveals where your heart is ultimately worshiping. Do you hear that? If you, if you want to know what you worship and where your priorities are in your life, what you put first, do an evaluation of where your money's going. And that is what's going on here. So there's a purpose to this. There's a reason why God would have us do this and have his people do this. Is because money always shows you where your true worship is. And so, a tithe, this 10% that they are jo- doing here, is an outward recognition that everything belongs to God and that we ultimately trust God and, and worship Him more than money. It's, an outward, it's just an outward act of worship to come and give. Um, and so, uh, now, a lot of people do do this. They, they read a passage like this, and they feel guilt and duty. And they say, okay, like, duty before God. I don't know why I said it that way. But that's how it would be said, right? You know, like, this, this is my duty before God. This is, I'm, you know, you give to the church because that's what you do. You, you know? And, or maybe it's, if I don't, God's not really not going to love me. I don't really feel like that anyway, so maybe this will help out a little bit. Maybe, you know, so people do, they do this. People give, but they do it for the wrong reasons. So what should be our motivation in this? What should our heart motivation be when we come and we give? Well, um, I think there's um, a lot of wrong reasons, um, but Paul actually encouraging uh, the church in Corinth to give. And he's actually praising them for giving you know, and, and so on, but he's encouraging them to give, to be generous. He says this, and, and we've I've preached this verse, but he, he gives the motivation. He says this, Romans, uh, Corinthians 8, he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's giving the motivation, he's saying, should be what Jesus has done for us. That should be your prime motivation. But what did he do for us? Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that... You, by his poverty, might become rich. He's pointing to the reality that that Jesus gave everything, sacrificed all things. Though he was equal with God, we read in Philippians 2. He didn't count equality with God something to hang on to. But he emptied himself and became a man and would suffer death on our behalf. And that should be the heart motivation. So, because we were estranged from God, we were uh, we have rebelled and turned away from God, and we are ultimately deserving His judgment. Jesus came, gave everything away, so that we could have everything. That should be the heart motivation. And so, Paul. Fully believing that truth says this in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. So Paul's like, a tenth? No, I give everything. I don't owe anything. He gave away everything for me. I was nothing. Nothing. He calls it trash, crap. He says, I count all things crap. It's the best word you can use in Philippians, uh, Philippians chapter 3 where he says that. I count it rubbish, crap. I count it all loss for this v- the value of knowing Jesus, the sur- surpassing value of knowing Jesus. And so, Paul, so our willingness, we could go here, our willingness to give Needs to come out of a heart that is shaped by the generosity of God Himself. He gave us everything. Why wouldn't we give it away? Okay, so there's the question of ownership, the question of trust. But then lastly, the question of mission. Question of mission. Um, did you notice the challenge in this passage? There's a, a, like a really unique, I call it unique. It's very. I don't know if there's another place in the Bible where God would challenge us in this way, like really challenges us and says, "Test me." Do you see that in this? Um, Let's look at it in uh, verses ten and eleven. He says, "Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test," says the Lord of Hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. So God is saying, test me here. If you do this, I will, he says, I will open up heaven and pour it down on you. That sounds pretty cool. Now, but here's the problem. This is where this verse gets abused uh, quite a bit. I mean, mean, this definitely gets, uh, the whole passage is misused in so many ways. Guilt and shaming people into giving so on, so that that pastor can have a Bentley and a big house or whatever. Um, But here is another way this is misused. And people would say, if you give a little bit now, God is going to give you whatever your heart desires. That, that Rolls Royce, that Mercedes. This it, is the verse, it's the, the phrase they use. You've got to seed your faith. You give a little bit now, God will give you a lot later. And he will fulfill all your selfish desires. Let me tell you, that, my friends, is a lie. <laughs> okay? Uh, just run from that if you hear that, please. Um, so, what's going on here? Um, this, this is not saying that. Okay, Actually, this promise here, very reminiscent to the promise given to Abraham. Y'all remember that promise? When God took Abraham in the beginning, of what we call the, the, actually the beginnings of God's covenant plan to redeem all people. And he calls Abraham and he says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And you're going to become a great nation. And through you, all people will be blessed. In other words... I'm going to bless you so that. There's a purpose behind it. I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. Look at verse 11 with me. Or 12, I'm sorry. Okay? So he said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to open up heaven. I'm going to pour out all this on you. If you get ownership right, and you get trust and worship right, I'm going, to, I'm going to pour it out on you. Why? So you can indulge your selfishness again? No. So that you can be a blessing to others. He says this, then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. I'm giving you this and all the nations are going to be blessed through you. I'm calling you into my mission. I'm inviting you into what it looks like to give away. And, enjoy, and, and experience the unique joy of giving and giving away. There's a, uh, John Piper, Baptist pastor, calls this a peculiar glory. It's not a glory of power and might and success and, and all that stuff. It is a glory in giving and sacrificing, in serving. He's inviting us into that and so God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. Now, when I start talking about, when I talk to people about giving to Venice Grace, like I, I, would, I went on it when we started this a few years ago. It was just a man and I and a few couples. And we had to, we had to raise money to, to get this thing going. And I had to go out and ask a lot of people for a lot of money. And I'm you, at first it was so hard, it just felt so awkward. I cannot tell you how bad it was. And but until a, f- uh, a friend of mine, my name Joe Brand, said, "Russell, listen, man, you know you're not a- you are not asking people for money. You know you are asking people to jump into and be part of God's mission." To bring the gospel to people in Oakley. Like I was not, so when we say, hey, give to Vintage Grace. Support this mission. Let me tell you what. It is not Russell asking for a salary. Okay? I know it can sound like that. But let me just tell you. I left a secure salary to do this. And I could go. I'm fairly marketable in the pastor world. I could go and get a secure salary somewhere. And that's not why we're here. Why are we doing this? Why, why would we give? Why do I, I tie to this? I give to this. Why? Because we believe people here in Oakleaf desperately need the love of Jesus. Their marriage is needed. Their parenting needs it. Their hearts need The grace and love of Jesus Christ. I see it every day. My neighbors. We help them bury children. When their marriages are falling apart. You know and there's all these things going on. We see that if they just knew Jesus. And the power of the gospel. It tears me up. What else can we do to do this? And so. It's the question of giving. Giving. The question of money needs to be, where is your mission? What kingdom mission are you on? Or is, it, is it your kingdom? Is it your mission? Now, let's be honest. Sometimes I have to say it is. Sometimes, you know. But so it's a challenge here. What mission are we on? And so... Let's ask these questions, those three questions last time. Who owns your property? Which treasury are you really giving to? Isn't that good? Like that is so convicting. I, I'm sh- I don't want people to, people don't like talking about money, and I don't like people looking at my books. That's kinda, I'm kind of ashamed of that. I am like, what you know like, that's, it. Yeah, that's worth, that's worth, worse than getting caught nude somewhere. Like people like see your checkbook where you actually spend your money and be like ooh like where is what treasury are you really giving to and then thirdly well whose mission are you on now practical question close us out here okay because this is what comes up okay so how much should we give here here in this passage it's saying a tie ten percent and there's all these questions that surround this well in the New Testament do we give do we You know, God's grace, we give less, we give more, or whatever, all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm not sure right now the amount matters, okay? And and I I think 10% is a decent goal. Um, Here's what I would say, because many of us are not in good financial places, and so I would say start somewhere, okay? Uh, But here's the thing. You know, it does say 10% here, but notice it says in verse... Um, verse 10 bring in the full tithe did you see that part did y'all catch that little phrase full tithe now certainly that in part means every bit of it (laughs) you know not 9% but 10% sure but no that's not it entirely because actually in Israel there was more than one tithe did you know that throughout the Old Testament we see in uh, Leviticus Numbers Deuteronomy and another place Deuteronomy there's actually three tithes to be given you know that? Like now we're getting somewhere. Woo! Everybody's like, uh, Right? Three tithes. So one of them was the main tithe that was to be given all the time, which was the, the Levitical tithe. That was to support the, the worship and the work of the Levitical priests. Okay? But there was more tithes than that. There was actually another tithe that was to be given for the annual feast. I already mentioned that one. So this an, annual celebration and party. So that the people of God could see, I mean, other people could see the celebration of God's people together. It's like, so. I mean, I think there's this outward missional thing with it, right? And then, every three years, a tithe was to be given to support the poor and the widow in their midst. So, how much? That's between you and God. And where would you give? And so, I've had people say, should I only give to Vintage Grace Church? I'm going to say, absolutely not. Okay, Vintage Grace can't do all that needs to be done. There are amazing organizations that, that, that do all types of great things that we can't do, okay? Now, should you support Vintage Grace? That's a, that's a, I would go back to that mission thing. You know, support this mission, be a part of what we are doing here. Uh, and then, But then on these other things, what about the poor? What about so on? Now, we do have two funds here at Vintage Grace. We have our ultimate our funding mission uh, fund. We also have an emergency fund. Did y'all know that. Uh, it's a, you click down and you do it online. It's an extra fund. You can give directly to uh, a fund that we we use to help people either in our midst or that we run into or whatever. And and we've used that. We've helped pay people. You know, we've helped different situations. It's been really cool to have that. It's like the fam. We call it the family emergency fund. You know, we got to have one, right? And so, in that way, there, there's two ways you can give here at Vintage Grace. Uh, but, should you give only to Vintage Grace? No. I'd I'd ask you to maybe start there. <laughs> just kidding. All right. So, don't just get there. So, what we're asking, we're going to be asking this week and next week, and then as we go towards the end of the year, that our regular Vintage people, and if you're new, this isn't us trying to squeeze money out of you, I promise, but to consider... Uh, we're going to ask you. Actually, going to ask you guys to consider pledging for this next year as we go forward. Uh, as As our outside funding continues to do this, because that was the plan, actually started in October this year. We we lost twenty thousand dollars this year because the, our network funding dropped that much. So it's going to continue to do that. And so to keep Vintage Grace going down the road, we we have to we have to keep it going. And so we're going to be asking you guys to pray and think how much you'd be able to do that with or whatever. So that's the challenge there for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you uh, that, uh, that you love us and care about us enough to call us out of our greed, materialism, that you would expose our, our hearts that are so quickly, quickly go towards uh, worshiping things that don't give life. Things that bring curse. Lord, you lead us towards the way we should live. The way we, that shalom life of cooperation, love and generosity. It, basically heaven. And that's where you're leading us to, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray that you would um, help us to, to really deeply evaluate our hearts. And to um, examine where we put our money and towards where we put our money. And Lord. In this, though, is that call of the gospel, that any anyone who would believe should have eternal life. And so, Lord, if anyone's in here uh, considering, I, I want to believe in Jesus today. Lord, I pray that you would uh, lead them towards yourself and give them the free gift of your grace in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So when we do.